0: Welcome to a lot going on with Raj Katecha. It's uh, an unfortunate start because Vic, who is sat one meter from me right now, has just become overcome with the flu. And we've got a big meeting in two hours. So he's going to produce. And the person that was going to produce is now sat in Vic's seat, which Vic has warmed up for him as Adnan. Uh, You might have seen us on his podcast, Fail Forward. And he runs his own community here as well called the Arabian Running Collective. That's correct. And he's just joined CCA. To work on the "My Friends, Your Friends" brand, which is our biggest brand, and we put it in the hands of a 28-year-old. So let's see how yeah. that works out. Adnan,
1: uh, welcome. You want to tell folks a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. Firstly, thank you, Raj and Vic, for having me on. It's been a pleasure getting to know you guys and you know getting to where we are today. Uh, so my name's Adnan, 28 years old. Uh, you know, uh, figuring out the world, but also excited for what we're going to achieve uh, across the board. I run the Fail Forward podcast, as you mentioned. Uh, I also run a collective here, which is Arabian Run Collective. That's everything from small community activations to bring up the fitness community in Dubai, all the way to large-scale events and races as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about my interests? Definitely very interested to see where AI is going. I also have a fascination for aerospace and space travel. So there's a potential we could get into that. And honestly, generally, you're a pretty curious person. If you love spoons and you're going to talk about spoons, man, I'll be interested. Okay, spooning. Spoons <laughs> or spooning? Spoons. Let's get into a little bit of today
0: then. So I also had a very interesting chat with this girl, Jess, and this is her product. It's called Teff. So she's in the business of using this grain, which is called Teff to produce a super low glycemic index cookie, which is also, um, like this cookie is, is healthier than eating a banana. Wow. So you're a big health guy. This is currently being used. They've just come out of NDA, but this is currently being used by like, you know, football athletes and boxing athletes and mm-hmm. stuff like that, because this has been approved by their coaches as something they can snack on because their diets are like, you know, million dollar diets, right? Because they've got to make sure that these people win and whatnot. So mm-hmm. I'm going to throw you one, have a little piece of that. Me and Vic are going to share one and they're, they're pretty good cookies, man. And I just got a little bit of coffee okay. left with me. Managed to get to raw coffee this week and, get laced up with something there so that's quite good have a little bite and tell me what you think
1: yeah all right there's also a lot to be spoken about this packaging which is very simplistic clean and kind of has a little it's got joke. a luxury
0: vibe to it yeah
1: yeah it's got a luxury vibe to it which honestly like works with the the community in Dubai and potentially all around the world too
0: yeah yeah so yeah she's looking at expanding into Dubai. she's she's one of those people that's come here and fallen in love with the place which I think is super interesting so we see that a lot, especially with British expats coming over, right? Who's going to take the first bite and start the review? Okay, you're going to have to keep talking if I'm, if I'm biting then.
1: All right. All right. So at the top, it actually doesn't look like a traditional cookie, right? It almost looks closer to a little bit of a circular protein bar, which I, I like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's just purely from an association perspective. Or actually, it probably tastes like a protein bar. Let's give it a shot. Yeah, it does.
0: Um, I want to know what Vic's thoughts are. Vic says he likes it. Yeah. It's super healthy. Take, take, take. I had one yesterday. So, uh, oh, and Vic's going to bounce because he's got a phone call. That's so funny. All right. So thoughts, Adnan,
1: what do you you reckon to it? It tastes great. Mm -hmm. It's got, it's almost got the consistency of something between a cookie and a brownie, which I do appreciate, right? Mm -hmm. Because... A cookie has its a, a dry flavor to it or a dry consistency to it, but the brownie has that juiciness and it's kind of right in the middle of the two.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's lovely. I, I like this. I could I could eat them all day long.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Problem is, even when I had them yesterday, I was wearing my light blue pants, which I'm wearing again today, mm-hmm. and I have the same chocolate stains all over my groin. Or <laughs> It's a bit crumbly, but it's a delicious, delicious product. So thank you so much, Jess, for the samples. Me and the guys really like them. As far as stories this week are concerned, um i think that was all my out and about this week it wasn't out and about too much obviously i'm just here for two weeks before i get to new york so preparing for that set up some incredible meetings which i'll be able to reveal i I think the best thing to do is to talk about these meetings once i get to new york okay i start i mean i'm meeting some like amazing creative people once i get out there from as soon as i land so um really excited about that if you're listening to the podcast and you want to connect me to anybody in new york toronto and maybe even los angeles then please do we're really excited about getting out there and and doing our thing this summer right big topic of the week for me ai you said that one of your interest points in general terms has been ai
1: mm-hmm.
0: why why are you interested in ai and then we'll go over some of the big stories from this week
1: i mean a lot of this stuff that i've been thinking about is generally associated with the concept of a singularity and that's been in conversation for the last what three five potentially even ten years yeah yeah way before the gpt conversation way 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 before it right and do you want to explain to people what singularity is it's essentially a a point in time where computing intelligence essentially rivals and surpasses that of the combined human intelligence of the world Mm. simply put Mm. over the past what let's say 10 years this has been a very theoretical concept saying that it will happen Oh, here's a prediction of when it'll happen but i've i feel that in the last six months it's become very real in terms of us being able to see very tangible steps and apply a much more calculated prediction mechanism to when it's going to happen because we are seeing steps that are bringing us close to that point yeah and it and i guess the question that i actually was going to ask you a little earlier that i didn't get to do it is we saw chad GPD come out roughly around jan and blow up in the mainstream. Mm. It seems fascinating that right after that happened, almost every other company in a similar space within search and technology released their own versions of a ChatGPT. GPT. Yeah. Were they all just hiding a technology that now they felt was, um, was safe to release? Or were they all kind of working on this at the same time and just hit that finish line at release? At the same time like talk to me about what suddenly sparked this massive exponential increase in release of these software and services
0: so there's this concept of competition right what kind of lead is the first mover advantage going to get so typically what happens is if you look at someone like a samsung and an apple apple will allow samsung to put very very high quality lenses very very high quality hardware inside its technology like Samsung phones Mm -hmm. and then Apple will follow years later and if you know anybody who owns an Android phone they're always saying oh I just got this new Samsung and it can do x y and z and Apple will be able to do it in two years and they're not wrong that's because Apple is comfortable with the kind of first mover advantage that Samsung will have with the technology and how it will develop the market and Apple is comfortable and believes in its own brand enough that once that technology is established whether it's an optical zoom or an audio feature or an AR feature They can follow afterwards and their brand will actually like galvanize it in society and make it a real thing Mm -hmm. that's not the case when it comes to paradigm shifts this is not a technological hardware firmware shift this is a paradigm shift where we are going from the information age of the mid 90s to the application age of the late 2000s when apps became a thing to the intelligence age we have now entered an intelligence race and the fear for somebody like a google when it comes to bing is that the head start that ChatGPT could get, especially when accelerated and lubricated by the kind of capital and market reach that Microsoft has, could give them such a head start that they could actually end up becoming the dominant player over a 10 to 20 year window, which is exactly what we saw with Google. Google owned search so well even though they were certainly not the first player in search, but the way that they were able to put out their indexing technology, it put them so far ahead that effectively once Google took the number one spot, it was impossible for somebody else to knock them off it. And I think that's the reason why we saw these semi-developed products come out a lot quicker. This is a thing that's happening in technology period at the moment. Like if you look at Rapid release as a paradigm in society, especially when it comes to technology, we're seeing it in web, we're seeing it in AI, we're seeing it in AR and VR, and we're seeing it in biotech. So just taking example, what happened in 2020, how quickly did they get the injections out? Pretty quick, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's, there's no there's no time to delay. There's already a lot of talk in the market about the fact that Apple is about to release its AR, VR headset which was scheduled to come out in January and that for the first time ever, Apple's going to put out an iterative product. They're not going to put out a product that the market is quote unquote ready for. They're just going to put it out there and develop it over time. And one of the biggest signatures of that is the fact that they're saying that Apple might have an external battery pack for its glasses. Like it literally might have something that you clip to your belt or that you wrap around your, your waist. Mm -hmm. And that will power these AR glasses, these augmented reality glasses that, where you can see through them and you can see the real world, but it overlays data. You know, like you met this person once here before, or you're near your favorite coffee shop, you know, they've got a deal on, or whatever the case may be. So we are now gonna see innovation cycles tighten. And it's interesting that if you then overlay the tightening of innovation cycles into the economic cycle that we're in, which is that the UK is dealing with Brexit, you've got cost of living crisis you've got interest rates going up and down. It's very, very crazy to see the the, the tightening of the innovation loop with all of the, the undercurrent damage that we have in the economy at the moment. It's not as if we're in a growth economy. Do you know what I mean? And, and I wonder if you look at the last five years worth of data and then the five years prior and then the five years prior and the five years prior, was there a kind of innovation luxury timeline where people could release stuff slowly like Apple could enter markets really, really slowly because in general, the market was going up and their core products like iPhone and AirPods would continue just to spit out cash. And now we've already seen, we already know that AR, I've known about AR coming out this year since 2019 through my relationships with that with that industry. Mm-hmm. But we've just seen Apple go into banking, consumer banking, retail banking, and they're offering, was it 4.5 point something percent? 4, 4 point something percent as a retail bank apple now needs to make these big headways for them to continue to hit their quarterly growth targets they can't do it by quote unquote selling more iphones or selling more apple watches they've got to go into whole other industries to give them that kind of growth so that's the reason why you're seeing everybody play the catch-up game really really quickly and what's really interesting is right now especially in the last week we've now seen the what i always call the coke pepsi scenario which is like who are the top who is the a and b player we've now seen that kind of come to a head with what some people are calling colloquially bing which is bing chat Mm -hmm. and uh the your traditional google bard you've now got these two players that are just gonna thug it out like over a long period of time and we've seen that at various points in other industries we've seen like adidas versus nike or uh, Mercedes versus BMW. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The reason why it's happening faster to answer your question, because I understand it's a long answer for a short question, is because because it's a paradigm shift and not a technology shift. The first mover advantage could be really, really damaging for the second mover in this mm-hmm. scenario. So we covered a lot there, and then also like look at the variants. Have you seen them? Um, what's that? What's that? What's the autofill thing called? The uh, Firefly have just released. Have you seen Adobe Firefly?
1: I haven't looked into it a lot, but I, I hear something you're very interested in.
0: Generative fill. So generative fill is
1: really interesting. Worth Googling. You should absolutely go
0: check it out, but generative fill effectively is where you can prompt Photoshop to do something for you based on the way you would write something into chat GPT. Now this is genius because. In my creative career, I've mastered a lot of different parts of of digital media, but my one blind spot, and it's it's the case for many creatives, is Photoshop. I've always sucked at Photoshop. The fact that we were even able to put any Photoshop content out when Vic and I were doing Love Soul was because Vic knew Photoshop to a decent level. And I would literally sit next to him and say, add this here, add this here, cut this out. What we were doing in 2006, 2007, is that Vic was the, was Adobe Firefly and he was taking my prompts and doing them. Mm-hmm. Now, instead of me pointing my finger at a part of an image and showing a circle and saying, make this more blue, you literally use your mouse to circle an area and say, put a leopard here and it will do it. So this is genius. And this is one of the best things about AI at the moment is it is AI reflecting life like Firefly for Adobe is literally doing Vic's job and still allowing me to not be without that knowledge gap. Do you know what I mean? Before I would need somebody who had the skill to collaborate with. Now AI is like, yeah, I can do it for you. So it's going to be, it's going to be really, really massive. And that's one advantage that AI has had over like the last two years of the web three phenomenon is if you want to onboard with web three, it's really unfamiliar. Like get a wallet. Remember these 12, 16 words, do this, do that. You need a hardware wallet. You need Mm -hmm. to use Coinbase. You can do swap websites. You can have a wallet on your browser called fire. What was it called? Fire. What was the wallet called? Firefly? No, 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 no. I've got it on here. It's uh, it's called I'm actually looking at it. MetaMask.
1: Oh, metamask. Right. So
0: you've got all these things. The onboarding was really crazy. Whereas chat GPT, isn't different to using Google it's type in what you want and it will present the information to you, mm-hmm. but instead of giving you 10 links, it'll just give you an answer, which is an amalgamation of those 10 links. So when you look at Firefly, it's doing the exact thing that Vic and I would do, which is we say, please give me this arrow here in this part of the image. AI is going to now really make shit really, really interesting.
1: Yeah. What's what's also interested me, and I think you maybe talked about this a little bit on prior podcasts is, okay, the first concern, as you mentioned, Firefly, is what happens to the Vics or the people like Vic that have this as their full-time job? Are they completely getting removed from the equation? Well, then the next question becomes, there's actually going to be an entire new class of, uh, of skills that are created in this world off GPTs and version of GPTs, which are prompt generators or prompt experts mm-hmm. and i don't know if the world necessarily understands the dynamics of what is just a prompt to a given application versus what's an actually an effective detailed and uh, specific prompt be it to a gpt be it to a firefly do you want to talk a little bit about what no, like they, they, to- they don't but that's good that's a good
0: thing as, as long as i've been in the industry i've seen whole industries come up hmm and whole industries die in front of my eyes. I've participated in it. Perfect example would be uh, ringtones. Ringtones was a multi, multi multi-billion dollar industry, and I was active in that industry for a good number of years, and then it went. Now, if you said to me, all of the people that I knew when I was in the ringtones industry, where are they now, what are they doing? I'm like, I've got no idea. I hope they're doing fine, but if they're not, it's their fault. So if somebody does, photoshop full-time and doesn't pivot and adapt then that means that they are not in the market contributing to the market as a creative they're in the market contributing as somebody who knows how to use photoshop Mm -hmm. does that make sense a creative person can apply creativity to, to anything somebody who knows how to use photoshop can only apply photoshop that's the reason why when piracy came after the music industry the pirates and the streamers that eventually became the legal pirates said that the reason why we're completely happy with millions of people losing their jobs in the music industry mm-hmm. is because they don't know how to sell music. They know how to sell CDs. So as long as there's a CD involved, the music industry can sell it through retail and other other means like that. But they can't sell music. The people that sell music are Spotify, Live Nation, the concept promoter and all of the people that do all the merchandising, they're the people that sell music as a paradigm. The other people just sell CDs. So if you're offering like creative services that are fixed to narrow softwares, and now those softwares have become more efficient, yeah, people are gonna lose their jobs. And some of them will go and, some of them will retire because they're late in life. Other ones will go work in petrol stations. Other ones will become good at prompting. Like, honest question, Have you have you sat in front of Google or any of the AI services, and asked it, what do I need to know about prompting?
1: Not specifically in that way, no.
0: Vic? Vic's voice is going, I'm going to voice what Vic says. How should I prompt you to
1: do something? Perfect. Yeah.
0: So, if the, and, and unfortunately, the world's not like that. So Vic said, I asked Chat GPT, how should I prompt you to do something? So the world's going to be this way, there are going to be people that instinct, I'm not criticizing you, by the way, yeah. this is, you're a smart guy. And eventually at some point, whether you're, you've got a free day or you're on the toilet or you see a YouTube video that inspires you mm-hmm. at some point, you're going to be like "Bing, in my head. I should probably learn how to prompt because lots of people are saying, even you just now and said in the podcast that there'll be a whole other industry of people that just do prompting. Yeah. So at some point you might say to yourself, I'm going to teach myself this weekend how to prompt. But other people won't. So if you're not born with the gift of curiosity or you're not that kind of opportunist or capitalist where you're trying to figure it out, then you lose. And unfortunately, that's just the way that it is. Like, it's terrible. And I I hate to see people lose their jobs. And for some people, that means not making rent, losing your property, divorcing your partner, not being able to make up mortgage payments, becoming a heroin addict. You know, it can go really bad for some people, but that's just unfortunate. I'm not six foot eight and I don't have an NBA, you know, contract mm-hmm. to play basketball. I just play to my strengths. But if you're not curious enough to literally be like, every, there's 300,000 videos on YouTube right now about learning how to prompt. Let me go watch four of them just in case that gives me an extra five years on my career.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then you lose. I've got no, I've got, it sounds cold, but I've effectively just got no, what'd you say? Like no... I've got, I don't,
1: I got, I don't care about that. You know what I mean? Those people you got, you got to get on it. I mean, it's not even about you. It's just the way the world moves and the speed that it's consistently moving at has no room for people that are not willing to be curious to see where the world's going in the next month, year, years. Right.
0: Yeah. And I get it. If you're my dad, if you're 69 and retired and you're not looking at starting a new career, then you don't need to necessarily learn about AI. You just need to wait for Amazon to put it in a box. You put that box on your coffee table and whatever that box is meant to do for you using AI, it will do. He's the end consumer. He's the end user. But somebody was speaking to me the other day and I I made a post about this, about freelancing on my Instagram. And they were like, you know, I want to freelance. Like, you know, where do you think the market is? And I was like, if you right now spend one day a week, For the next four weeks immersed in what ai can do so starting off with a guide to ai then then looking at videos on youtube about how will ai affect banking how will it affect retail how will it affect aerospace you will be able to hold a conversation with somebody who will think that you're intelligent enough to give you a freelancing contract not about ai they might make you an office manager but the fact that you can speak to that is crazy and what makes ai really unique and means that people have no excuse for not learning about it is that for the first time ever AI will teach you about AI. Like to Vic's example, you can go to ChatGPT
1: and say, "Teach me about ChatGPT." Mm-hmm. So, and all so you, you need can to do to create log a in. separate like chat that's let's say for what I've done, you asked me that earlier question. While I've not asked ChatGPT, how should I prompt you? Hmm. I've created a separate chat which is just called a Prompt GPT, and yeah. I use it to generate effective prompts for all of my other chats. Yeah, so I'll say. Hey, I want to learn more about, let's say, food delivery. Yeah, give me the right que- give me the right prompting f- questions to ask in another specific chat. Mm-hmm. And then if I've not given enough, enough information for the prompt, it can ask questions back to me. So yeah. now you're actually having a conversation with a specific you know version of the AI to get you to the effectively comprehensive prompt that gets you to the answer you want.
0: Yeah, and if if you're if you're a business operator like if you run a business like I do. You can't be expected to know everything. My TikTok is a shambles, considering I'm in content. My personal TikTok is basically zero. I have used Discord. I don't enjoy it, and I've got like money wrapped up in it. I do not use Mastodon. Mm-hmm. I'm very light on LinkedIn. So you're not—you can't be master of everything. Do you know what I mean? Even some of the biggest content creators I know in the world have a head of YouTube, a head of Snapchat under their personal brand they have a head of a platform that runs that platform for them mm-hmm. so i'm not judging people that can't be on top of everything that's a very rare breed of person that understands everything but i also feel like if you've not figured out ai or if you're not on top of what's going on whatever the fuck happens to you happens to you you must notice it right you're an in shape guy mm-hmm. if someone keeps coming to you and saying oh you know you've given me this advice you give me this advice but i smashed through like a five guys burger yesterday and i Then after that I hit a pickle burger and I did this and I did that. You're like, well, I'm giving, I'm telling you where the game is, I'm telling you where the market's going. If you don't act on it and you're a fuck quit and you end up with no job, what what do you want me to do? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. AI is a very, very special technology. And I never felt this way about Web3. But at the same time, and Vic will tell you this: like, I did take the weekends out to study it, write down pages and pages of note watching YouTube channels. Google and Wikipedia all these words and then go back and watch the same YouTube videos again, because if that shit becomes the reason why we make our next X amount of dollars, I don't want that opportunity to pass me by. It's a real, it's a real rant actually, because I've not been able to like declutter a lot of my thoughts on, on AI this way, but it's really, really important that like people pay attention to it because it's coming for everybody. I'll give you a real example. And this is a, this is an exceptional one. One of my good friends and agents, messaged me last week and said, there's a corporate gig, can you do it? And I was like, yeah, no worries. And it was my exact demographic. Europeans over 40 years old, primarily wanted 80s and 90s pop music. But in the briefing, they said, oh, but they do want some modern pop as well. And I was like, oh man. And I did a gig recently that didn't go like exactly the way I wanted it. And I was like, damn, I'm really falling behind on new music. Because if you want to be a modern DJ today, when Vic and I were at the peak of our DJing, There'd be three to ten records a week that would come out, you know, one hour of downloading a week, and you could be the hottest DJ of of the day. You know what I mean? You could be, you could have every latest T-Pain, TI, Keisha Cole record, whatever, whoever the big people were in our genre at that time. Now you're getting that many records coming out every afternoon. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot to stay on top of. So I was like, how do I solve this? Well, I was like, well, who do I know? I do know that. Kendrick Lamar, The Weeknd, Drake, Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber, The Weeknd. Uh, what's what's my man's name? Justin Bieber, Dua Lipa. Mm-hmm. I know that these are big artists. So I literally typed into Bard, Google Bard. I was like, based on the following artists, you know, et cetera, et cetera, Dua Lipa, Bruno Mars, I wrote all their names down. Based on these guys as a kind of like benchmark, who are the please give me the name of fifty other songs of artists like these that had popular records in the UK, Germany, and US charts at the same time as these artists were putting out hit records. And it spat out 50 records back to me. Now I can go to, I can take that list, copy it, give it to uh, an assistant and say, log into my title, the streaming service, Mm -hmm. make me a playlist by dragging them over that includes all of these songs. And if you see any instrumentals or non-explicit versions, you know, versions without the swear words, throw them in as well. Then when I open my Serato, which is my DJing software, that playlist is already in the cloud in my Serato. The songs are ready. So that's applying AI to like the real world. And I'm not even in music. Like it's not even, it's not even a fraction of a single percent of where we make our money today. But I was still able to apply that to it. Yeah. Not everyone's going to do that. That's actually a pretty... You know, I've got the time to think about that kind of yeah. shit. But ultimately, if you don't do it, what can you do? Like, what goes in your what goes in somebody else's mouth doesn't go in your stomach. You hope yeah. that everybody will do well. You hope that everybody will apply
1: shit the way that you apply it. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, the fuck are you gonna do? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's one. There's one simple thing that I think a lot of people don't fully digest is that. So you you talked about you know watching YouTube videos and how it's so easy to learn about AI through the resources that are there online. Yeah. But you brought up something where you had a problem to solve. Yeah. And that's what I always tell people when they want to learn about, let's even at a simple level, what is ChatGPT? How do I use it? Hmm. Find a problem in your life that you're struggling to solve right now. Hmm. Maybe you have a business and you're trying to figure out what what the job responsibility should be for an administrative assistant that you want to hire in the next hmm. month. Ask ChatGPT. Hmm. You're, um, you know, you're trying to let's say you're trying to lose weight or gain muscle for a wedding in six months, put that as the goal into chat GPT and ask it to optimize a workout plan for you for the next six months for that. Hmm. So now you're mentally invested into the problem and therefore you're mentally invested into learning and taking out time to watch YouTube videos, look at resources online to get you towards a solution. You're not going to learn about these resources. If you just throw arbitrary prompts into it, because it's not going to get fully internalized in your brain.
0: Hmm. It's, it's about adding ChatGPT into your portfolio of options. So I think it's worth taking multiple data sources, right? And that's, what's interesting about the 40 odd years that I've been around is that the data sources have increased. So when we were young, it was the library. You'd go to the library to get an answer to a question. If you had some money, you might have those things. What are they called? What were those Britannia things called Vic? Those almanacs, encyclopedias. If you if your parents had money, you might be lucky every couple of years. You might have an encyclopedia set inside your house. An encyclopedia was the original ChatGPT because it had a cutoff point, right? So if you had the 1989 encyclopedia, that encyclopedia doesn't claim to know anything post-1989, the same way that ChatGPT says, Mm -hmm. I cannot give you data post-2021. And when the encyclopedia got connected to the internet and gave you real-time information, i.e. somebody died an hour ago and it's updated online, that encyclopedia became Wikipedia hmm. makes sense. Yeah. So it's like, now what you should be doing is I'm going to research a health website. I'm going to look at my favorite creators on YouTube. I'm going to call the PT up that I know down the street and add chat GPT in there. So if you really want to know how chat GPT works it's interrogate all of the data sources you normally would have plus chat GPT. And if you really want to understand the value that ChatGPT offers versus your PT friend or versus your favorite YouTuber, you need all three of the data sets to be like, well, next time I know, I'll just go to YouTube for this answer. Mm -hmm. But if you start to understand the types of answers that OpenAI gives you or any AI gives you, any large language model, then sometimes you might say to yourself, I don't need to go to YouTube for this. I'll, I'll give you another example this week. I had a tax query. Normally, I would go to my my tax advisor in the UK. But I was like, let me just ask Bard. And Bard told me an answer that I remembered my tax advisor giving me last year. So if I'd rang him, I'd have been like, hey dude, I need an answer to this question. And he'd be like, yeah, this is the answer. By the way, we spoke about this last year. And I tend to forget stuff. And I'd be like, yeah, we did speak about it, didn't we? Thanks so much, bye. But I've just called him. My tax advisor doesn't charge me by the phone call or by the hour, but some do. Now I've got Bard. I was able to just type it in And it literally verbatim told me the same thing that my tax advisor told me and that's interesting as well because how is chat gpt and large language models are going to thrive in regulated markets why because there's only one answer does that make sense if you've got something which is regulated by a federation like in the uk my brain's not working fully today but in the uk we've got the uh the f what's the financial authority for uh FSA, we've got the Financial Services Authority, right? If you go to the website or you go to a registered accountant or you go to watch a talk at a conference or you watch a YouTube video, the answer will be the same. Mm -hmm. So if you say, for example, how much tax would I pay if I earn over a certain amount? It would say you would pay this much tax because you'd pay this much in this bracket, this much in this bracket, this much in this bracket. Mm -hmm. The answer is regulated by law. Well, then why do you need a human being? You just go to you just go to chat gpt right? right and now it becomes more interesting is that imagine if a regulated ai language model sits on top of your accounting software like we use in our business zero zero mm-hmm. manages all of our accounts and all of our revenues cash flows p l tax exposure imagine if now this llm is sitting on top of your personal data so you've got a large language model with an algorithm which is open ai and a closed language model which is your personal business data and it's giving you custom advice off that this is a hybrid language model where you are actually getting the parameters of llms mm-hmm. over a specific data set of a narrow lm this is the shit that i'm excited about because that makes my life much easier i have to text i text both of my accountants in each country
1: mm-hmm.
0: on average once every six weeks So I I won't, like, you know, whatever their name is. I'd be like, hey, dude, I just got an email from this government body that I'm dealing with. They told me I've got to do this. Mm -hmm. How do I do it? Help me. And I know that when they come up with their annual fees for me, they factor in how much I need
1: them. Yeah, It's going to be very, 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 very very disruptive, bro. Like, it's going to be super interesting. Yeah, that that last point you made about having a – Large language model over a closed language model or a smaller data set yeah. is very, very fascinating for me. Yeah. Because when you have an LLM that scours the internet, it gives you a lot of really helpful, like useful and well sifted information. But then what if you apply it to a specific set of data that you've gathered just about, let's say, the business bay market and consumer patterns here? And you have, you have a very narrow set of information, but it goes very, very deep. So now, what now? What does the language model do, right? It all it could almost replace what would be potentially a business analyst at a specific firm to help you identify opportunities for which customer you should target over the next year. Potentially, what options you have for products to target a set of four or five buildings for, you know, developmental properties.
0: Yeah, everything that becomes public knowledge now that can be interrogated by an AI model will one hundred percent allow you to. To come up with those questions. Somebody said at the very, very beginning, I'm talking about weeks one to five of chat GPT 3.5. Someone said, I'm launching this product and I want to launch it in India. Can you tell me who my typical Indian customer would be demographically? And it came back with, it'll be a woman in her forties with two kids that lives in this area in Mumbai with this kind of affordability. She doesn't work. She lives off this. It was crazy. And that was just based on like historic data. Do you know what I mean? It's crazy. It's a it's a madness. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one one area where people need to like super pay attention. And I want to use these um, I want to use these platforms as well now. Like Vic and I were discussing, for Algo is like to specifically spit more stuff about content strategy because we do go all over the place. But the reality is, I think where we're going into our business, like a little bit more narrow, we're going to now talk more about like content and content strategy because it makes a lot more sense. And AI is the biggest thing to happen to content since since the mobile phone. Like when you look at this mobile phone, everything you need to make content is here. You can write blogs. You can take pictures. You can now make pictures with AI. You can make video. You can c- collect audio and make a podcast. So this is the firmware layer, like the hardened firmware layer, and then ai is going to be like this it's like the intelligent software layer do you know what i mean that will come in and do everything else for you so it's going to be a, it's going to be a really really interesting time uh any pieces of content that you've seen this week that caught your attention what was any, any youtube videos any posts any instagram memes anything that made you go wow
1: i'll
0: start if yeah. you want whilst no, you i think you're there's un- actually
1: this week or at least the last two or three weeks and it's still in within the ai space but mm. i am Fascinated by the AI videos that people are generating. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones where, let's say, I think there was one example, if it was Bill Gates walking up to a DJ set mm-hmm. at a at a you know at a at a club somewhere. And every frame is a slightly different photo where each person in the crowd turns into a different person bills gates face turns into a different version of him at a different time a point in time or daylight mm-hmm. and then throughout the video it suddenly switches over to elon musk's face and um and then goes over to jeff bezos's face and it's that's fascinating to me because that style of video is just not something you can create in any sort of reasonable time frame with a human mm-hmm. so i'm just fascinated by where the world could go when you have ai applied to video production are you, to your to
0: your point, what I picked up on there is that is there a is there a fascination or like a a fandom or an obsession with specifically those characters in business? It's interesting that you mention them. I often find now that like there's almost like a almost like a godlike adoration, specifically of Elon, Bill, Jeff Bezos, increasingly like now like you know Sam Altman and a few other guys, mm-hmm. people like that, but. Even Chamath is another good example, but like, is there for your age at twenty eight years old? It, who are these characters? Where where do they sit on on the on the chessboard of business? Because we had Alex on here for the longest time, right? He's eighteen, yeah. nineteen. He had some. He was really kind of like cutting edge consumer yeah. c- content creator priorities. But like for you, who would it be? And sorry, why? Yeah, did-
1: no, no, I hear hmm. you. I'm just I'm trying to make sure the answer is like effectively stating at least roughly my position yeah i think for me chamat and elon definitely are high up on that list why they speak truths oftentimes that are potentially unconventional or not necessarily held um as axiomatic by the masses right yeah um i think and this this may be a little controversial i don't know but like for example chamat talked about he had a he had a comment that he said nobody cares about the uyghurs yeah, and that was that was a that was a big moment that actually got him a lot of flack.
0: Yeah, the Uyghurs are below my line. Exactly. His line? yeah.
1: And what he's saying is actually true that I think. For him. For, for him, for yeah. him, yeah. right. That we all have a set of priorities. And just like you said earlier, you can't be having your hands or have knowledge or expertise in everything. Mm-hmm. In the same way, you can't really care about everything in your life because you're just going to get overwhelmed we has, have a set of priorities. There's things that go above that line. There's things that follow, fall below that line. And we can pretend there we're into certain things, but now that may be the Uyghur Muslims on top of the line or below the line, right? Mm. That's just one example ultimately. But I wouldn't actually say that Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates fall high on my priority list in terms of what you mentioned was godlike or highly valued celebrity CEOs. Mm. I think...
0: We have, we have it in hip-hop, right? Sorry? If you, we have it in hip-hop as well. Yeah. Like, if you tend to ask people, like, who are the greatest, you know, depending on your generation, the answers can vary. Mm-hmm. But typically, the, the the median answer tends to be Biggie, Jay-Z, Nas, Wu-Tang Clan, you know, like, that kind of, like, yeah. not the 80s and not the post-2000s, but really that kind of, like, hot era in the middle. And I feel like that's what's happening now is that you're getting these, these names tend to be these stereotypical names that you hear, when you're discussing like big business or the most powerful influential people in technology and and, and the world.
1: So to you, those specific hip hop artists, do they share a similar characteristic to you personally that make them part of the greats?
0: Yeah, they had enough of a layup to have a standard created before them. And they created enough of a difference between the standard that they came from and the standard that they created. And what's made it more interesting is that the people that have followed them haven't been able to raise the standard to the same level. So with the exception of people like KRS-One and Big Daddy Kane in the 80s, the difference between another 80s artist, let's say a a special ed or someone like that, and a Jay-Z is a multi, it almost feels like a multi-generational difference. What Jay-Z did musically versus what like a special ed did But if you look at a little baby who I love, what he's done, the distance between what he's done and what jay Z's done is not as big of a distance. The only person that's in the conversation today is Drake, because Drake Drake may be able to say, I've had the longest career with the most amount of record sales, but even then nobody, I think Jay-Z closed the door behind him, locked it and then threw grenades in every window and blew the house up behind him. Because with Jay-Z, he can attribute a lot of his album sales to somebody physically putting on some jeans, putting on a t-shirt, putting on a hoodie, putting on a jacket, putting on a beanie hat, putting on some gloves, charging up their travel card, traveling to a store, getting the CD on a certain day, coming home, putting it in their CD player, and listening to it. Versus just opening their phone and being like, I just saw a tweet or an Instagram post saying that he's just released this album and then let's go to it. In in our, in our day, there was no surprise drops. Mm-hmm. People had to be told weeks and months in advance this record's coming out. So the privilege of instant access and instant gratification has allowed people to think that a Drake is as big as a Jay-Z or a Kendrick is as big as a Tupac. Kendrick is incredible. And for me, he's as impactful as Tupac. But... People were able to access his music through their phone, through the click of a button. The price they paid, both monetarily and the calories they had to burn to get the music is a fraction of the calories you'd have to burn to go and get Me Against the World by Tupac.
1: So it's I'm almost comparing it to how you take a certain dollar value in 1970s and you adjust it for inflation. So you're almost like dejusting a Drake, a person going and listening to a Drake to account for the fact that a certain percentage of the people that listen to a Drake song today may have not had the same level of draw to Drake had it happened in the 1980s. So yeah. Read something in the newspaper, go out there, buy the CD, bring it back, put it in the CD. Pro.
0: Yeah, so you're adjusting for inflated access. Inflated. There's access. been an inflation in access, which means that you're adjusting for distribution. The distribution that these artists have access to is way higher than the distribution that a Jay-Z had access to, even in his peak, because his peak would have been 99 to 2012, 13, you know, around the time that New York record came out and the beginning of it would have been when the Annie record came out, like that was his hot zone of maybe 10 to 15 years. And he would have had more distribution challenges than a new artist would do today because there are artists today that are their, their songs are going viral on TikTok within 24 hours, the streams are starting to go through the roof on um spotify and now they're like generating money so it's i actually how, how do we end up on this point i forgot
1: uh
0: content content yeah. recommendations yeah and
1: then we talked about godlike celebrities
0: yeah so you mentioned those people
1: yeah i mean in 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 some similar way in the business world these people like elon to a certain ex- extent That's the thing, is now using your framework of what constitutes a godlike figure in your world, I think that Elon would fit that, but Chamath probably wouldn't. Because I think that especially with the way that he thinks about the purpose of engaging in a specific craft in his life is a standard that he has set for the world to emulate that I don't think many have done before him. He thinks in decades and potentially even centuries... In a world where most CEOs and founders are thinking in quarterly or more yearly scenarios.
0: It's a good point, actually. Yeah. yeah, it's a good point. Especially when you look at like the amount of volatility that you've had in the last five years of Tesla stock. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he, he doesn't pay much attention to it. Although he does just do some trickery, like buying Bitcoin and then buying it low and selling it high and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's a good point. Do you think some of it comes down to the fact that when these people hit this level of financial freedom, that they're able to kind of liberate themselves from what the rest of society has to say to be safe. Like, you know, there are certain restrictions that I have.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I can't can't even mention the names of certain people on this podcast because I'm still building a 10, 15, 20, you know, and hopefully in the future, 30, 40 year relationship with these people. So I don't reveal who they are or specifically what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But if you're like a Chamath or an Elon, you can say whatever you want, because when you're sat on billions and billions of dollars, it's like, what's your downside? Your downside is you lose all your businesses, you lose all your reputation, but you're still sat on billions of dollars, Like you'll always be adored because you've got that level of money. And the fact that you actually were able to get it is the thing that society will always love you for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's like a backstop as to how, what your worst case scenario could be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I think, I think that the element of financial security helps you to speak your mind, even if it's unconventional or uh, not liked by the masses, hmm. but I think even more so than that, there's often one piece of evidence that some of these people lean on to help them have that confidence that I can say something unconventional, and this is my worst downside. Yeah, you know, with with Shamath, yes, it was partly that Uyghur Muslim kind of comment. Sorry, just the Uyghur people comment. Hmm. Um, with Elon, it was his uh, his tweet about taking Tesla private uh, public at 420 right yeah and the whole uh, sec wait. went on his what was it private or public he mentioned that he was, was either, it tesla uh and i i remember i remember the 420 yeah, number yeah yeah. yeah 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 so he was either taking one of his companies private or public and he, yeah and you know it it had a material effect on the stockholders and the sec said this is within you know outside of our rules and regulations around how you can actually move the market yeah um and while he's still working through that battle with the sec it has really not impacted at a, at a significant scale, the success of his business mm. and whether he may actively recognize it or not, it gives you that confidence to say, well, I have unconventional views, or I even have unfiltered views on the world. Mm. What's the worst that could happen?
0: Jamat mm. said it amazingly. He was like, I was literally a refugee from Sri Lanka. I moved to Canada, educated myself, joined Facebook, did the following things. And he said, you will respect me the same way that you respect a Warren Buffett. Like he literally said it i mean yeah. i paraphrased, but he was like this is the kind of growth that i've had so i should be able to say whatever i want and you better treat me the same way you treat these other people because i've also done it yeah so yeah it was it was pretty dope so that so that was your that was your content content thing for the week yeah
1: what about you man?
0: which which was remind me again
1: that was ai generated videos
0: and where can people see that
1: instagram yeah instagram is where i see all my stuff I okay predominantly spend the time there
0: yeah for me it was um I was able to vicariously watch through Instagram as well. All of the stuff that the team at VaynerMedia and Gary V did with VCon. I thought that was pretty cool. So shout out to Tyler and Andy and Maha and Gary and DRock and all the gang over there that pulled that off. The staging was insane. The lineup was insane. Buster Rhymes came to perform on his birthday. Andrew Schultz came to perform. And then there was like a forever list, you know, of other people that were there. The, uh, the merch looked insane. Everything looked cool. The video content's starting to come out now. Stage content, that looks incredible. So yeah, I would say that would be my, my recommendation. I'm looking forward to like long form pieces of content coming out from that. Okay. And also like the content we created this week. So we were in the studio yesterday. We managed to put together somewhere between 10 and 12 videos. So we're putting out a lot of free content over the summer, which hopefully will be quite helpful to people. And it will help us figure out what we're doing with our with our next kind of set of brands. Yeah. so that was my that was my stuff for the week so that's what's been going on this week anything else we need to discuss
1: no i think that's good we've covered a lot of topics here
0: yeah yeah well welcome on board uh we're looking forward to like getting my friends your friends pro off the ground whatever that looks like there's obviously gonna be way more people plugged in and way you know way more cool niche events that are going to spin off the back of it so if anybody's like a hyper fan and is one of the hundred people that listens to this podcast every week then You've now got a little heads up on what we're about to do. And for everybody else, if you enjoyed the show, uh, we're going to try and keep it consistent. We're now using Riverside, thanks to Adnan. So we'll be putting out more of this content even when I start traveling in two weeks and uh, Vic will hopefully be healthy and on the pod too. Oh, and a big welcome to, uh, to you, Adnan, and to Thad, who just joined the Algo group. We'll be adding some more people to the Algo group in the coming weeks that I know that listen to the show. All right, Wicked, if you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe. Uh, What means more than anything is sharing. So please do, if you know anybody who enjoys these kind of conversations and uh, a belated birthday shout out to Flo. Going out for dinner with him later on tonight for a birthday dinner and uh, enjoy. And we'll speak to you next week. Peace.